0: My name is Jim. I'm one of the elders here. As I like to say, I'm the only elder, elder. And if you didn't bring a Bible today or you don't have a Bible, I've got some friends back there who'll be glad to bring one to you. If you don't have a Bible, it's yours. Put your name on it. You do have a Bible. You forgot it. Your device doesn't work. Just leave it there. We'll pick it up later. There's one here. Anybody else? Of course, I can't see from up here, but so... Well, we're going through a series this summer called the, called uh, "Words to the Wise." Words to the Wise." And, and today, my first word to the wise comes from Proverbs 16:31. You know if you're listening on the podcast, you're going to have to go look it up. Okay. Today's subject is is something that goes through right through proverbs from the beginning and to the end. It's called it's on moral purity. And I want to talk about the benefits of moral purity. When I first became a follower of Jesus, I was 16 years old. My parents weren't Christians. I have to to today I still don't have any relatives that are Christians. And uh Our youth pastor, did he have us read John? No. Mark, which are the usual things you read? No. He had us read the first seven chapters of Proverbs because he knew what the temptations were. Now, since David Letterman has has retired, we don't have a top ten list anymore. So I thought I'd bring it back just for today. The top ten ways you know you are living in moral purity. Are you ready? I wish I had a drum roll. There's no drum, I can't. number, Number 10, you don't have any unaccountable time. Number nine, top 10 ways you know you're living in moral purity. Your computer is not tucked off in an isolated part of the house. Number eight, you don't have to delete the text messages on your cell phone. Number seven, you watch the Super Bowl to see the game, not the halftime show. Unless, of course, it's the Rolling Stones. (laughs) Janet Jackson. Six, people at work no longer bother to tell you the dirty jokes. Number five, when you go to purchase a thong, you go to the shoe department. You have to be over 40 to get that one, I think. When you think of a fresh chick, you think it's served by Chick-fil-A. Number three, your mother-in-law sold her shotgun. Number two, the only 900 number you know is 911. And the number one reason you know you're living in moral purity, your lover and your spouse are the same person. That's it, all right. Now, there's one scripture that pretty much says it all. It's unbelievable the way scripture, one scripture can, can summarize so many things. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Now, as we start here, we're gonna see a lot of commands and a lot of commandments. Now, these commands in the scripture are always directed at our weaknesses. They're not directed at our strength. If it was easy to overcome sexual sin, why would there be needs for these, for these commandments and commands that we're going to see today? 1 Thessalonians 4.3, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. run. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee. And so we've had stay away, run, and flee, from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy 6, 11, Flee from all of this. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 14. So my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. One more before we move on. Ephesians 5, 3 to 5. It's interesting. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because... These are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure or greedy person, such person is an idolater, very interesting. In other words, you've taken something and turned it into an idol. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, you can't flee, run, or turn away without turning your back on it like Joseph did in Genesis 39. Now, the question is, why why does it say here, flee, run, don't go near there, don't go down that path? I thought, as a person asked me, aren't we spiritual warriors? Shouldn't we hang in there and fight? Aren't we in a spiritual warfare now? I think there's a clue why the Bible says we are, we're to run, we're to flee in 1 Corinthians 6.18. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So why do we, we we're, we're required to flee and turn around and run? I think there's several reasons. Number one, because there are some life Dominating sins. In other words, sins that take us over. There are some. There are sins that don't control us, but there are some that, that tend to dominate our personality. Pornography is one of them, and other sexual sins. Drug addiction, for sure. Alcohol abuse, maybe even jealousy and anger. They tend to take control of us. That's why the commands to flee, run away, don't go down that path. And sexual sin. Is never isolated from other sins. Never. It always starts in the mind and then it acts itself out. You know, for instance, a married person, before he commits a sexual sin, he, he commits himself to being a liar because he's lying and he's leading a double life. And really, the whole thing is a heart issue. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. For from within, out of a person's heart come, sexual immorality adultery lustful desires all these vile things come from within that's that's they are what defiles you so we shouldn't be surprised that proverbs 423 says above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it second why are we to flee run turn away because sexual sin is pleasurable. It is difficult to run from something that is pleasurable. Notice in the book of Hebrews, when it talks about Moses, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. That's another reason why we're supposed to run away. I, uh, the words are still echoing in my head. A Christian girl told me, how could anything so beautiful be so bad. She was single. She was pregnant. Today, she's a single mother. Why should we flee? Number three, because sexual temptation is powerful. It's powerful. There's a revealing verse in the story of Cain and Abel when God speaks to Cain. He says, Genesis 4:7, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Why must we flee sexual sin? Four, because as humans, we are seductible. Is that a word? Seducive. We can be seduced. That's what it is. Yeah, I hope there's not an English teacher here. And um, Proverbs 5.3. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. And then Proverbs 6.24 and 25. It is... wisdom, he's talking about wisdom, will keep you from the immoral woman and from the smooth tongue, hold that, of the promiscuous woman. Don't lust for her beauty, hold that. Don't let her coy glances, that's the third one, seduce you. So we have the tongue, beauty, and coy glances. The tongue, compliments, flattery, especially during a time of emotional need. Beauty, Men are specially stimulated by what we see. That's why pornography is such a problem for men. Coy glances, body language. You know, there's a whole, there's whole websites that only deal with body language. Why? Because body language communicates. So, now, women are vulnerable also, and uh, this is what my wife tells me anyway, especially by what they hear or read. She has a, women have a terrific imagination, and there's nothing like a romance novel to stimulate her imagination. She's looking for the prince on the white horse. The prince knows how to use words, promises, to seduce her. She is getting from this imaginary guy everything she hasn't received from others. So, when you put the tongue, the body, body language, the beauty and body language together, we understand that we can be seduced. Now, I want to read a passage here, and, I, and it's going to be up on the, um, the screen, but if you want to turn to it, it's in Proverbs 7, 6 to 23. Proverbs 7, 6 to 23. See, it is on the screen. While I was, while I was at the window of my house, looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. Now, it was twilight in the evening as dark, deep, uh, deep darkness f- fell. The woman approached him seductively dressed and sly of heart. She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay at home. She is often in the streets and markets, soliciting at every corner. She threw her arms around him and kissed him. When I read this, I said, had he ever heard of running, fleeing? And with a brazen look, she said, I just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. Interesting, she's religious. Uh, You know, these things don't always happen just in a total pagan atmosphere. You're the one I was looking for. I came out to find you, and here you are. My bed is spread with beautiful blankets and colored sheets of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, alloys, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink our fill of love until the morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses for my husband is on a long trip. He's away for a, he's not home. He's away for a long trip. He has taken a wallet full of money with him and won't return until later this month. So, she seduced him with her pretty speech, smooth words, you know, you don't deserve that type of treatment you're getting, and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once, like an ox going to a slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce his heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. Why do we flee sexual sin? Number five, because today, as we were talking just before, temptation is pervasive. It's all around us. This is going to sound strange to some of you. But when I grew up, there was no internet. No 900 numbers. I have a friend who lost his marriage over a 900 number. And on television, you can look on YouTube if you want and watch a few episodes. Couples weren't even allowed. Married couples weren't allowed to sleep in the same bed. We watched Ozzie and Harriet instead of undateable. There was no Victoria's Secret or cable television, no R-rated movies. In fact, there was one mild expletive delete in 1939 in the film Gone with the Wind that scandalized people. Things have changed. What's the answer? How do we live in this world and keep our minds pure? There is a book called Raising G-Rated Kids in an X-Rated World by Brent and Pamela Hatch. And also, remember Tipper Gore, the wife of Al Gore? She wrote a very interesting book uh, that had almost the same name, Raising G-Rated Kids in an X-Rated Society. Now, isolation has been suggested and has been tried. But I notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5. When I wrote to you... I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or the greedy or or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. No, he wants us to be salt and light, Matthew 5. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy, worships idols, or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. So... To live in this world and maintain moral purity, I've got a couple of suggestions. I'm sure there's more, but these are a couple. Number one, for me, we have to look at the world through God's eyes. Do godly evaluations. We only have two options. do Look at the world the way the Bible does, do godly evaluations, or look at it the way the world does. I've always had my own definition of the word wisdom, and it is, looking at life through God's eyes, and then putting it into practice after that. The other option is to take the world's point of view. The best scripture in all the Bible to see the contrast is 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from the world, and the world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who, who, who does what pleases God will live forever. So, we don't want the world to set our agenda for us, to set our standards. We want to follow God and look at the standards that the Bible set. Now, how can a young person, Psalm 119.9, stay on the path of purity, By living according to your word. And that's what we want. Second, to live in this world and maintain moral purity, we need to be aware of the consequences of not being pure. Proverbs lays these out also. Proverbs 6, 27 to 29. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? No. Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? No. No. You've been reading the paper. Tony Robbins found that out. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Proverbs 6.32. But the man who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys himself. Proverbs 5. But in the end, she, the immoral woman, is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. I want to read another passage here out of Proverbs 5, and we'll put it up there on the board. It's Proverbs 5, 7 to 14. It'll be up on the screen. So now, my hun- my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose honor and will lose to merciless people all you've achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In the end, you will groan in anguish and disease when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin and now, I must face public disgrace. Three, to live in this world and maintain moral purity, we need to flee, run from all harmful material. In other words, those things that tantalize our desires and mind. Now, every temptation begins here in the mind. And there's, in fact, a good anatomy of temptation in James chapter 1. James, the brother of Jesus, says, Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. There's a really sad example in 2 Samuel chapter 11. I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but you can go home and read the whole thing. Well, we'll read just a little bit of it. It's about David and Bathsheba. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Number one, he was in the wrong place. That's For me, that's lesson number one. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of his palace. And he looked over out over the city, and he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. This is important because Uriah the Hittite was one of David's most trusted men. He was a friend. Then David sent messengers to get her. Abuse of power. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Later, when Bathsheba discovered she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Then David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. Then David said to Uriah, go on home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace. But Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard, showing loyalty to those still fighting. You know, Proverbs 15, 14 was written long before television came. And it says, a wise person is hungry for knowledge, but the fool feeds on trash. And, um, you know, the television is in the average home is on eight hours a day. The average man watches 28 hours a week and the average woman, 33 hours. This is out of TV Guide. The typical teenager watches five hours of TV a day. This, however, is going down. It's being taken place by gaming. We have a friend whose son goes to bed at 4 a.m. every morning because he games all night. I'll tell you the truth. I don't even know what it means, but... Gaming, someone come and tell me afterwards, what does it mean to do gaming? Anyway. Anyway, she told me, he's gaming, and I said, oh sure, yeah, that sounds, uh, I don't know what it means. TV Guide says that in the course of a year, prime time, we're not talking about HBO or anything like that, depicts 15,000 incidents of sex and 23,000 use of profanity in a year. 91% of all sex portrayed on TV is outside of marriage. So, we can see what we're up against here. Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel? He ready? To... Okay, Lee Strobel says, but rarely do we see the consequences of our choices. In my days as an atheist, when my highest goal in life was to experience pleasure, I lived a promiscuous lifestyle and left disillusioned victims in my wake. I would use whatever tactic it took, from false flattery to manipulative lies, to achieve a conquest. Afterward, I would callously walk away, never giving a second thought to the other person. But instead of happiness and fulfillment, I found nothing but emptiness. Now, I love this part. I'm amazed that someone like me, and he says, someone like you, could be lovingly adopted into the family of God forever. What a change in life he had. Psalm 37. Turn my eyes away from worthless things Preserve my life according to your word. Psalm 101, 3, I will refuse to look at anything vile or vulgar. And then Job, in Job 31, 1, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Now, we need to be especially careful about internet pornography. There's a church right near us here who has nine young men. They're all married in a Bible study support group for internet pornography. It, it infiltrates our home, it comes in, we're vulnerable, temptation is strong. I was just talking beforehand about, I got a letter from a lady whose niece, she takes care of her niece during the day. Her niece, 11 years old, 11 years old, she found her looking at pornography. And, um, and so she went in to take a look. Ah, she just got in it by accident. And, uh, and he said, no, she'd been in 15 different sites. So it, it, we have to be very careful about that. You know, when someone has a difficult time with temptation, I usually take them to Matthew 5 for the shock value, and then we'll talk about it. Matthew 5:29 and 30. Now, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. This is Jesus talking, by the way. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to go into hell. That would ruin your golf swing, wouldn't it? Now, in church history, there have been those who actually have disfigured themselves in an attempt to apply these verses. However, I think what he's saying is something like this in our day and age. Okay, if your computer, even your new Dell EXP 15-inch with 4K Ultra HD touch display with over 8 million pixels, whatever that means, (laughs) is causing you to lust and ruining your thought life, take it out and throw it away. It might take drastic action. I have a friend who got rid of his television. Why? The television was winning. He, he, couldn't, down, he, he, he couldn't. So the te- he got rid of it. Now let me add a footnote. When you run from something, you have to run to something. You just don't run it from, from. There are no vacuums. You've got to run to the Lord, to Jesus. You've got to run to good material. You've got to run alongside those with a pure heart. This is the importance of good friendships. 2 Timothy 2.22, the entire verse says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the name on the Lord out of a pure heart. Philippians 4.8, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And if we're married, who do we run to? We run to our spouse. We run to our spouse. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9.9 9 says, Live happily with the woman you love. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. And then in, um, in, in Proverbs 5, it says, Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth." She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Okay, number four. To live in the world and maintain moral purity, we need to anticipate temptation. It's going to come. There's a very telling verse in Matthew 26, 41. Keep watch and pray. Jesus says to his own disciples, so that you may not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but what's weak? the body. So anticipated, he tells them. Temptation is not a one-time act. It comes back. It happens over and over. Satan himself is called the tempter in the scripture. And we see him in action, 1 Corinthians 7, in the context of sexual relations. Paul says we are not unaware of the way he works. In other words, we do know how he works. So if we're going to beat temptation, we need to find out when we're most vulnerable. And put safeguards in place to protect ourselves. It may be when you're alone. It may be when when you are tired. It may be when you've been offended, or it may be when you're with certain people. Well, we finally made it. The benefits of moral purity. You said I didn't think you would ever make it, but here we are. The benefits of moral purity. Some ideas that came to me when we were talking about this. Number one. Moral purity creates a strong t- trust in the marriage relationship. This is sorely lacking in marriages today. Sexual relations before marriage is basis for jealousy and 1 Corinthians 13:4 says love is not jealous. 1 Timothy Titus 1:15 To the pure all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe nothing is pure. In fact, Both their minds and consciences are corrupted. One thing I run into all the time are mostly men. It's not only, sometimes women. Men who accuse their wives of having affairs when they haven't. The impurity ruins the the life, but purity creates trust. Then, two benefits. Moral purity is one of the bases for real love. B-A-S-E-S. I had to look it up. That is the plural of basis. And uh, we, we looked and looked and looked and find it really is one of the bases. Gail says, this sounds like you're running the bases in, in, uh, in baseball. Moral purity is one of the bases for real love. So many people talk about not being able to love anymore. Now, there's one verse that is very good for this. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.5. For the purpose of my instruction, Paul says, is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from where? Three places. It comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. So if you've got genuine faith, pure heart, and clear conscience, you can love. You can even love your enemies. Matthew 5.44. Third, moral purity is one of the bases for good decision-making. We as humans have a tendency to, uh, to form habits. I mean, we form them really easily, both good and bad. And there are many indications in scripture that people tend to repeat the same errors unless there's a radical change in their lives. For instance, Proverbs 26, 11. A dog, as a dog returns to its vomit, what happens to the fool? Fools repeat their folly. They do it over and over again. Second Peter 2 Peter 2.14, they commit adultery with their eyes and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin and they are well-trained, trained in greed. Now, there are no small decisions. There are only decisions. And the decisions we're making today, we're preparing ourselves for the decisions we're gonna make tomorrow. And and if we're pure in our decisions and right in our decisions today, when something that we consider big comes along, we're gonna make the right decision, whether it have to do with money, pride, or sex. Four, moral purity greatly helps testimony to the unsaved. Notice the connection between a clear conscience and the testimony to unbelievers in 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against you, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed by their slander. I know when our, when our son and, uh, hadn't married yet and our future daughter-in-law, when they were, they were just getting to know each other, uh, they had a rule that they would never go into a house without adults being there. Just a rule. So if they got to our house, they were going to eat dinner with us or something. Before we did, they'd sit out on the curb or sit down on the front porch until we got there. And it was interesting how, you don't think your neighbors are looking, <laughs> how our neighbors noticed that and how the trust and it opened it up for, wit- for witnessing. In fact, all the neighbors went to the wedding where I was able to give the gospel clear, as you can give it. Now, next, five, you don't have to worry about getting an STD or causing a pregnancy or getting pregnant. Six, you don't have to have a good memory. (laughs) Impurity leads to lies, a double life which requires you to have a good memory, to be able to remember which lie you told to who. Seven, you don't have to hide your text messages on your cell phone or erase the history on your computer. Eight, moral purity before marriage allows a couple to enjoy sex in marriage wholly and completely because sex within marriage is pure. Nine, moral purity allows you to see God. Matthew 5.8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How will they see God? Well, for sure, future in heaven. We're going to see God face to face. But you know, there are ways here because the Greek in this particular Matthew 5.8 is emphatic, he and only he. He and only he. There's something about the pure in heart that allows them to see God in all his purity. The person with a pure heart will see God in praise and worship. When his lips express... What is in his heart? God is always revealed in a special way during those times. Second, a person with a pure heart will see God in history. He will see God moving throughout history, which means he will never be overwhelmed by the current situation. Third, the person with a pure heart will see God in nature. He will see God as creator, and his heart will rise in praise and worship, like we see in Psalm 19. Four, The person with a pure heart will see God in the events of everyday life, working out his plan, even in suffering. And as we know, in Romans 8, 28, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Then he will see God in scriptures. The pure in heart will see God as they read his holy word on a daily basis. And then the pure in heart will see God working in the lives of others. This is why the person you go to for counsel, for wisdom, needs to be someone who's walking in moral purity. Ten. Those who walk benefits in moral purity will be confident when the Lord returns. 1 John 2, 1 John 3, and then 1 John 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we will know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All those who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Then First 1 John two twenty-eight. Dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. For some of you, You've had some things in the past that have been dealt with. One thing we didn't want today is that all those things be brought up. Because Hebrews 10, 17, I'll remember no more your sins and iniquities against you. So when you bring them up, God says, I don't know what you're talking about. Those are covered by the blood of Jesus. All you have to do, you have to deal with two things. You have to deal with the accusations of Satan. He's good at it, by the way. I mean, what what he does, he's good at it. And and you have to deal with constant reminders, which are a problem. Constant People, places, constant reminders. For, for Satan, when he accuses, that's a time to remind him of the death of Jesus Christ. That's what conquered him. It was the death of Christ. And for the constant reminders, that's a time to say, it's covered by the blood of Jesus. It's past history. So we didn't want those old guilt things to be brought up here today. You know, we don't want anyone walking out of here feeling guilty. Now, if you do have some true guilt, that's covered by Jesus' blood also. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse our sins and cleanse us from all, forgive our sins and cleanse us from all, not just this, all unrighteousness. So the road back always passes through two areas. It passes through God's forgiveness and your repentance. God's forgiveness and your repentance. You confess your sin. you're forgiven and your repentance. Repentance means a change. It means a change of mentality. It means looking at the thing differently. And then John the Baptist was a great theologian because he said, show me fruits worthy of repentance. Luke 3.8. So God's forgiveness, your repentance, and then fruits worthy of repentance. In other words, don't do it again. If you need help, get help. I see several elders here today and several other leaders. Go to one of them and talk about it. Don't do it again. If you need other types of help, go get it. So as the band comes back, I'm going to let you think about that for a second. And if there's something you need to confess to God, take take care of it right now. Nobody leaves with guilt today. Agreement? Nobody leaves with guilt. We leave it all here. It's been taken care of by Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we just bless you because you are so faithful that you, in your mercy and your grace, provided a way back. And Lord, today, that way back is through the death of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And those of us who have something to confess, Lord, we do it right now. Confess it to you. Receive your forgiveness, Lord. Help us to take the right steps now to never repeat it again. In Jesus' name.